everyone. I'm Megan McCluskey, and I wanted to welcome you back to The Intersection, a podcast that brings you candid conversations with members of our community and leaders in our industry. We're excited to bring you a special episode today in honor of World Mental Health Day, celebrated on October 10th. Joining me today is Andrew Onimus, a mental health advocate and director of corporate programs and speaker with Mining Your Mind, a nonprofit organization with the mission of providing mental health education to adolescents, teens, young adults, and their parents, in addition to teachers and school administrators. In partnership with this organization, Andrew's goal is to help reduce the stigma surrounding mental health issues and help others who may be suffering to know that they are not alone and that it gets better. Andrew and I had an important conversation about his work in mental health advocacy. He shares resources and insights into coping with mental health issues, particularly in a time of isolation, and provides tips for starting conversations about mental health with colleagues, friends, and family. I'm excited for you to take a listen. Hi, Andrew. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's really awesome to have you with us at the intersection. Thanks, Megan. I'm happy to join. Uh, Thanks for all the listeners for tuning in. So obviously mental health is a priority every single day of the year, but it's special to have you with us today in honor of World Mental Health Day, which we're going to celebrate on October 10th. Um, So we have lots to talk about today, but I was hoping that we could start by learning a little bit more about your past mental health advocacy and if you could share just a little bit about how you got started in this profession and your background, that would be awesome. Sure. So my path was maybe a little different than where some people might find themselves in mental health services or counseling. Um, Not that I'm a counselor, but I grew up in Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. I went to uh, good schools. I went to Muhlenberg College for undergrad um, and was an athlete and an accounting major. And my senior year is where things kind of like went, I guess, different than I thought. Um, I started to struggle with insomnia after a minor injury, uh, which turned into a little bit of stress, anxiety, depression, and then I kind of got thrown into a cycle and went down a hole of uh, pretty severe depression. Um, I'm really lucky that I reached out for help after hitting rock bottom. I recovered uh, after a few months of trying to find out the right recipe for recovering, what will get me healthy and, um, you know, treatment, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that, but I I got out of that hole and got to a peaceful place and uh, was able to manage my depression and anxiety in a healthy way. Um, After about two, three, or four years of going back and forth in accounting jobs um, in the Philadelphia area, I actually, it's funny that I'm on your podcast right now because when I was at KPMG, SDI was one of my clients, so I've been on your campus quite a few times back in 2014, 2015, um, I, I was really healthy and I knew that the impact that I had of my recovery and talking to friends and family after um, I was getting better really made a difference and kind of gave me a purpose. So I just pretty much found mine in your mind because my mom saw a presentation at her school. Uh, my mom's a teacher in the area and Mining Your Mind does programs in the area. So I reached out to Mining Your Mind um, they're a local nonprofit. I'll talk a little bit more about them, but um, founded about 12 years ago, and they do mental health education programs um, through a really unique way. They had young adult speakers that shared their own personal stories of struggle, many times crisis with mental health issues, um, but more importantly, the hopeful recovery side, signs and symptoms. So when I saw that, 
and my mom told me that, I was like, all right, I want to see what they do. Uh, I was lucky enough to reach out to someone there and train to become a part-time speaker. Um, and that's what I did for about two years while I was still full-time accounting. And then two years ago, um, with the growth of the organization, uh, they offered me full-time. So I was uh, brought on board to be a speaker mostly. Um, so I, I speak a good amount in schools, um, companies, adult groups, usually middle school through college age. Um, but I also do a lot of other outreach, corporate program director. Um, so I coordinate a lot of workshops similar to the conversations we're going to have today, um, but more geared for employees, what to look out for for colleagues and then families, um, and then support like internally with the companies of whether that's an EAP program or what kind of resources for mental health that they have there. So um, yeah, that's a little bit of background. I would never expected me to be in the mental health field when I was growing up because I never really had depression until I kind of hit it when I was a senior. Um, but I love what I do, and I'm really lucky to be part of this organization because it's been, been really fun and, and really cool. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to hear kind of how your path took a turn the way it did, but I think that, you know, is what mental health is all about. It, it could hit people out of the blue, and struggling with issues like depression and anxiety can kind of come out of nowhere, and really just being able to have those resources um, is kind of what helped you out of that hole and brought you up from rock bottom. So it's, it's really cool for you to share that story with us and share that story with the listeners. And I definitely appreciate your vulnerability with that. Um, so you talked a little bit about like when you were experiencing those symptoms, um, you felt isolated and you felt alone a little bit. And obviously right now the mental health is a big topic of conversation given the global pandemic and isolation is is ever present for a lot of people right now. So could you talk a little bit about how isolation does affect our mental health? Yeah, I think with all the changes that's going on, a lot of our normal coping skills that we might turn to without even calling them that, like it's just everyday things that make us feel better are different now. I know a, a big part of a lot of people's um, coping and like stress relief might be working out or going to a gym um, maybe it's going to the movies on a Friday night. Maybe it's going to social settings. A lot of those have been temporarily taken away from us or at least changed. Um, and that's a big, big outlet for not only adults but kids too. Uh, so certainly isolation is something. One of the biggest symptoms that I experienced is when I was struggling with a little bit of anxiety and depression. I, it's almost like I felt more comfortable being alone even though that wasn't a healthy thing for me. And it's safe and healthy to be by ourselves sometimes, but I think I was just doing it consistently and more frequently. I wasn't going out and being social. I was in my room or I was avoiding things, and that avoidance is something that um, might be okay on a tough night, a tough day, a tough week here and there, but over time it can really become a cycle where we start removing ourselves from our everyday lives and what, what brings us joy, um, and it can that's when it can become a problem. So. I think definitely the COVID-19 pandemic has uh, spiked that up as like we can see in stats and studies. Uh, we're definitely worried about the school year. Um, we work mostly in schools. Uh, we're worried about families and adults. I'm sure there are people listening to this who are wearing like 17 different hats right now, being a uh, doing your job the best you can, obviously, but also a teacher, a tutor, a coach. Um, it's tough. So. Uh, doing your best to try to keep normalcy and your normal structure 
um, will help prevent some of that isolation, but it's a big, big thing that's going on right now. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, a lot of our coworkers and a lot of the global workforce is working remotely right now, like you said, and, and definitely balancing loss of jobs and wearing 17 hats, like you said. Um, people are balancing the work and trying to separate, you know, and have a work-life balance, and some are even trying to teach their children while they're on all of their Zoom meetings, which is kind of crazy, and it can be a lot to deal with. Um, how can our listeners, without being in the office, uh, look for signs of distress in their coworkers or in their colleagues? And I know you said isolation and spending time alone can be one of those things and not being social, but without that option right now to have that social interaction, what are some of the kind of things that we can be looking out for? Really good question. I think it's much more difficult when you're not in person, but doing your best to stay connected in different ways, I'm sure, uh, your organization, your teams are doing some things at least to stay connected, whether that's like meeting over lunch, non-work related, and talking about normal everyday things. Um, and and being that person sometimes that might shoot that email, shoot that text, um, and even admitting like this is really hard, like um, this isn't really ideal. There's some yeah. things I like about working from home, uh, like the flexibility of being around my kids more maybe, but it's, I miss my colleagues and friends, and, and that, that friendship in, in a workplace and those connections and relationships you, ha you have are a big part of your life, and then it's just the structure, too. So I, I think it's, it's, it's tough to say, and there's not really, like, one answer that will, will bring, like, you know, you to be connected to everyone. But if you are concerned, if someone seems a little bit more removed, or if someone on your team isn't maybe as productive as normal, um, that might be a sign that there is something going on. It, that doesn't mean that they're going to need to go to a counselor or something like that, but that could be a sign that um, shooting that friendship email or that, like, kind of remove from this is what you need to do for work email uh, is a safe thing, just saying, hey, just checking in, non-work related, um, seeing how you're doing. Um, I'm always here if you need to talk to someone. is As a colleague, as a friend, a really safe thing. And, they may never need that. They may never, like, you know, respond to that. They might say I'm fine. But I think that that's something that is a door opener, um, which can Definitely. keep that door open for the future. And that's a, that's a safe thing for, for anyone. Yeah, I think that's interesting. One of the global campaigns that we're sharing with our um, employees at SEI on World Mental Health Day is uh, showing that we're in each other's corners. And it's talking about just making sure that you know that one person you have in your corner. And I think having that conversation and just reaching out and saying hi and letting them know, you know, that you're struggling too maybe, saying, like, I, I'm here and I don't love working from home sometimes. Sometimes it feels lonely and whatnot, but I'm here for you. If you need someone to talk to, like, you're here for me, and, and that's a really cool, important thing. In addition to just checking in on our colleagues and our, and our coworkers, um, like we mentioned, a lot of parents are, you know, watching their children stay home from school and not get that normal socialization that you would get in a grade school or in a high school or maybe playing sports. Um, is there any specific signs that we can look for in kids or ways that we can talk to them about mental health, maybe have conversations that they haven't been exposed to before, but it might be more important now that they are in these different environments? Yeah, talk, talking about mental health as a parent, I'm not one yet, but it's a scary thing. You, you, you want to make sure that they know 
that if something's going on, they can talk to you. Um, and I think there's still still exists sometimes that stigma that if you talk about it, it will bring about it, and that's just not the case. Um, there's been thousands of studies that go against that. Uh, it, it is a really weird time right now trying to keep your best to keep boundaries from like the news and those kind of things I think is important uh, for your kids too. A lot of times kids uh, not copycat but they see what's going on in their parents life and they learn from that and now that they're not in school you know physically maybe or maybe they are maybe they're hybrid um, it will be like a transition back to that kind of normalcy where they're seeing other people's lives so doing your best to keep normalcy, um, if that's going out for walks at night or going on a lunch break um, or having like a little recess, depending on how uh, old the kids are in your life, um, but really just trying your best to keep, let kids know that they're safe. Um, you know, this is a weird time. There's a lot going on, uh, political stuff, and then there's the pandemic, and then there's racial injustice. There's just a lot going on right now. Um, and just bringing that positivity and hope can, can help. So I'm not a parent yet, but I think um, starting conversations early are a preventative way. So saying, hey, mom and dad right now are struggling. Like this isn't easy. Like we're stressed out much more than normal. And that's okay if you are too, um, I think is uh, something that could help. Yeah, I am looking uh, at Minding Your Mind's website and reading a little bit more about permission. I know one of the goals that you have at Mining Your Mind is to normalize the conversation and kind of destigmatize the conversation. Um, so would you recommend having conversations about mental health without seeing signs of distress and kind of just making it a normal conversation? Yeah, uh, what, what we usually say to like parents when we do our trainings or parent nights or really anyone is, um, Saying it pretty much like this, I know it's a different conversation. You might be talking about what's going on in your school day or, you know, how's your night going. But uh, at some point in the conversation, whether it's over dinner or any time, saying if there's anything that's going on outside of what we normally talk about or you see a friend or yourself is having a tough time, we're here. Like, we will listen to you. Um, and as a parent, we always want to fix things right away. Um, or you might want to fix things. That's something we hear right, right away. Um, a lot of times you don't have to fix things right away. Just making sure that you're talking about what's going on is uh, a really safe thing. So as an adult, telling that to people in your life or friends and colleagues saying that too will uh, create a little bit of an easier time for that person, uh, your son or daughter, whoever that might be, to reach out that hand and say, hey, like something's going on. Uh, I, have a, I have a friend or a classmate that doesn't seem okay. Uh, what can I do? What should I say? Um, and that's how those conversations kind of start. Yeah, definitely. I'm, a few times you mentioned the word safe and having a safe space, and I think just being able to start a conversation and, and tell people that you're there if they ever need to talk, even if things are okay, um, is really important, it sounds like. Yep. So um, I know that Minding Your Mind provides resources by going to campuses and going to corporations and speaking, but where would you recommend that people can find these resources or what should we be looking for um, if you are noticing declining mental health in your kids or you're looking to reach out to someone? What are kind of the resources that you point people to as the first step to have those conversations or maybe get in touch with counselors or people to talk to? Yeah, so I 
all the time we say whoever the resources are in your life. So if we're in a school, if we're talking to parents in a school, we're saying go to the counselors, um, and it doesn't need to be a crisis. It's really important to talk about these things before crisis. Crisis obviously needs to be addressed mm-hmm. and treated, um, but little things too. I think there's a lot of, especially in our area, in the Philadelphia area, there's a lot of resources, which is great. Um, on our website, we have a lot of local uh, community resources that we work with. There's Pennsylvania resources, suicide prevention. Um, the text hotlines are always things that we always push out, especially because that, that might be an adult too. It doesn't need to be a kid who might utilize those kind of things. Um, and then for adults, um, many who are employed and insured have enormous benefits that they may not even be aware of. Uh, we work with so many companies and that's kind of my job now is coordinating these programs and uh, prevention, mental health education. And um, a lot of people, including like some human resources people I've spoken to, don't even really know what an EIP is, um, which is an employee assistant program. A lot of those programs um, through benefits have at least three to four, if not more, free sessions. Uh, and that might be just a conversation about um, my son or daughter struggling or this college process is more difficult financially, I'm, not, I'm worried. Um, and, and having a, someone who is non-biased just listening and supporting you and giving you, you know, steps for help is a really safe thing. So I think there's, there's so many out there. Sometimes taking that first step is the hardest step, is like admitting um, or acknowledging that something is uh, difficult right now, and that's okay. Just like I think we want to relate it to this is like if my son or daughter, or if I had a broken bone or if I had diabetes or if I had, um, you know, uh, a skin, something going on with my skin, I would go to my primary care physician and I would check, get it checked out. If something's impacting my life, um, my work, my school, and my enjoyment, my peace, uh, and it's going on for a while, it's not just a bad day, a bad week, why not try to talk to a primary care physician or talk to that EAP program um, because that's a safe preventative step to take. So. Uh, yeah, we, we, we don't have any, I don't have any specific resources now, but I know there's a lot on our website, a lot that SCI, I'm sure, I'm sure shares all the time, but they are, they are out there. Just keep looking, um, and there'll be much more as we, as the kind of the culture of healthcare gets more aware and uh, more resources for mental health, which is great. Yeah, that's awesome, and I, I know we do have these resources at SCI, and we'll definitely um, share the resources on our webpage and different places where we're promoting this podcast to make sure that we can uh, promote those resources if people need them. Um, Something that you had mentioned was, you know, it was important to have friends and family in your corner kind of when you did hit rock bottom. And we are talking about having people in your corner and something else we're also following is the Ask Twice campaign um, to show people that we are in their corner. And the concept behind this initiative is to ask a friend how they're doing and then maybe ask again for a second time to kind of emphasize your, your interest and your concern if you suspect they are struggling with their mental health. Sometimes we say we're fine and we're not, and we know that's just an easy answer. Um, so what did it mean to you to have, you know, that friend who helped you out uh, when you're at your lowest point or to have that family member, and why is this so important? Yeah, I'll, I'll share two quick stories to kind of like paint a picture of what this can kind of look like for you or someone else, family member. Uh, I remember one of the first people I went up to, this was about two months of uh, pretty severe insomnia. I wasn't sleeping, which was one of the main symptoms of my depression. 
Um, and I was really, really not enjoying anything. I was isolating. I was, you know, becoming uh, very depressed. And I went up to my football coach at that time, um, who most of them were so supportive in the whole process. But, like, I said, yo, I'm, I'm depressed. Um, and he, it, it all happened because, like, he said, "Are you like, what's going on? Um, he didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to fix how to fix it or where to really go because he didn't really understand, which was fine. I wouldn't have either. Um, but one of the things he did is he sat down with me at the end of a practice and he said, tell me more. Uh, he didn't say, like, you'll be fine, you know, we'll get a snap out of it, anything like that. He said, tell me more. And that door kind of really just stayed open. Um, and we sat down, we talked for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, uh, which kind of led me to going to that real help, which was my mom going to a hospital, going to professionals that, that kind of guided me to recovery. Uh, so, again, the people in our life and, and many people who will listen to this or, like, colleagues, you don't need to be a counselor. You don't need to fix things. Um, but saying, are you okay, those, those three words um, can mean a lot, and they have a lot in my life. I also had a professor in my life who said before the class started, and this is someone I went to when I was struggling, I am your teacher. I'm supposed to educate you. I hope you do well in this class. I hope you learn something. But if there's anything else going on in your life, um, whether that's you got in trouble or you just broke up with your boyfriend or girlfriend or you're struggling with your identity, I will be here. You can shoot an email to me. Um, I'll be here after class. And I never really thought I would need that when that class started that fall. But I remember that. I was like, I haven't heard that before. Like, I've never heard a professor or a coach That's or anyone, cool. a teacher, say that. And who do you think was one of the first people that I went to when I was struggling? It was that guy. Um, wow. And I just went up to him at the end of class. And I was like, dude, what you said, I'm not doing okay. And that kind of sparked another conversation. And he had resources and people to talk to. So, uh, again, he didn't know how to fix things, but just being that human person and, and keeping that door open, just like, I love this campaign you're doing, it twice, is, um, are you okay? And then even if they say I'm fine, say things like, if you're not okay ever, I'm here. Um, that can just open up another door. Yeah, that's so cool. And uh, we really do appreciate you sharing those stories with us and that those personal anecdotes are helpful for people who are feeling the same way. Um, and again, it's always just about making sure that people don't feel like they're alone and knowing that there are probably more people dealing with mental health issues than they think. And um, it's something we just don't always talk about. Like you said, it's not a broken arm. You can't see it, um, but it's there. And it's, it's nice to be able to share those stories with people. So before we wrap up today, um, I was wondering if there was one takeaway you could leave our listeners with today, what would that be? Uh, to end on a really positive note, uh, humans are really resilient, and uh, we all are. You should be proud of, like, where you are right now, whether you're, whether you're sitting at home, whether you're listening to this at night, or you're working through something, you're stressed out. Um, keep plugging one step at a time. I, 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 something that, like, kind of held, I held on to during my struggles and when I still do struggle occasionally is just keep on keeping on um, one day at a time. I really believe that we're almost through this difficult time of isolation and being different, and we can get back to the normal swing of things one step at a time. But uh, just keep plugging one step at a time. There are better days a day, uh, better days ahead. 
Yeah, that's awesome advice, and that really is positive, and it's cool to see the resilient side of humans and, and see where you are now after, you know, struggling with what you did and to be able to use that passion you have for the subject to help others is really cool. Um, so thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. This was a really important conversation for us to have now and for us to continue to have as mental health just continues to become a more um, pertinent topic in the news and, and in society. I think it's really cool to be able to sit down and, and share these stories and share your resources. Of course, and thanks to you and SEI and your team for doing this because this is important stuff um, and you may never hear of one person in, impacted by this, but I guarantee you there's people out there because um, these, these issues are in, in our lives ourselves, family, friends, um, and it's always important to address them in, in, in a preventative, hopeful way. Awesome. Well, thank you, Andrew, and uh, maybe we'll have you back again sometime to share more resources. All right. Thanks, Megan. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us again on this week's episode of The Intersection in honor of World Mental Health Day. For a list of mental health resources mentioned in this podcast, as well as additional global resources, please make sure to visit www dot s-e-i-c dot com slash intersection stay tuned for more conversations with members of our community and until next time stay well and take care of yourself and one another we hope you'll meet us back at the intersection soon